0: Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring new residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Dr. Verduzco Gutierrez, who is a PM&R physician. She is going to talk to us all about ways to thrive as a PM&R resident. Thanks so much for joining us. Yes, happy to be here. So where are you, an attending physician, and what is your official position title? So
1: I am an attending physician at UT Health in San Antonio, and
0: I am the chair of rehabilitation medicine here. So you see a lot of different residents over the course of your time as chair, and so I'm curious, what qualities make a successful PM&R resident? What I think
1: makes a successful PM&R resident is... I want the residents to have enthusiasm for whatever rotation they may be in. So one thing about pm is the specialty is really diverse. There's a lot of different practice opportunities. So, you know, some people may have gone into the field because they want to do pain management or sports management, but you're going to get experience in inpatient rehabilitation and spinal cord injury and pediatrics. And I want the residents to go into each rotation ready to learn, even if it may not be exactly what they're going to go into, because you still may be exposed to that in the future. And it's important just to have knowledge in all those areas.
0: And residency is hard, and we always want every resident to be successful. But unfortunately, at times, there are those that have a harder time in residency. And I'm wondering what traits of a resident are ones in which that are not as successful.
1: So I don't like to think of it as the resident themselves not being successful. I'd rather look at what's happening in the system right now that may be harmful to the resident, that they aren't being as successful as they can be in. Is it something in the environment? Is it something with in their personal life? Is it something with the teacher? Is it something in the environment? And so I think it's more important to look at those factors than to put a you know, blame on a resident being unsuccessful.
0: And, you know, sometimes residents are struggling, and whether that be academically or interpersonally, and you mentioned that it could be the system at large. So what advice do you have for those residents who may see a problem in the system and are trying to figure out how to improve or who to go to to ask for help? So I always think that in a residency
1: program, hopefully you go into one that you have found was a good match for you due to the culture and that you have people that are your um, confidants in that program. So whether that be the program director, whether that be an upper level, whether that be your DIO, whether that be, you know, there's always anonymous reporting systems or you can even go to the chair. I'd be happy to hear, you know, have an open door policy for my residents to give any kind of feedback for difficulties that they're having. So I would recommend that you find that trusted person to go to.
0: That is so important and so cool that you have an open door policy. It creates a specific environment that is so welcoming for all residents. And because you have been in pm for so long, you must have your go-to books and resources that you recommend. So for a resident that's going through all the different rotations that you've described, what sort of things you recommend that they buy or have available to them to learn when they get home from the wards? We
1: have a book in PMNR that's called Cucurillo, and the Cucurillo book is a book to help with board cert- studying, and it is really a nice book that gives a lot of great information, just in a nice compact form for people to understand. So that's really nice. Of course, I do recommend that there is some more traditional PM&R textbooks that should supplement the reading that's in the, you know, the smaller board studying textbook. And so, there's Bradham, there's also a French Fronteras Essentials of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, which I have a chapter on spasticity in that one. So I'm going to, you know, put that one in there being like, ooh, a very nice text to read. So, And then, you know, there's other things now. I understand sometimes textbooks aren't as popular, but there are, you, you can go to the literature. In our academic society, AAP, they have a list of, you know, what are the the key manuscripts that are important in our field, and so those are also available there, as well as in our AAPMNR, they have something called Knowledge Now, and it's different topics related to PMNR that are in
0: small digestible reading format. Oh, well, anything in small digestible formats is really good, especially when you get through a long day in residency. And in residency, there are so many different components towards being a content master. And part of that might be research in order for you to learn more about the field. So are there ways that you would recommend a resident get involved in research when they're in their residency? Right. So for most places, there is at least a
1: QI research requirement, and then some other residency programs might have more formal requirements. But I think the first thing is that not to do research for the sake of doing research, but do it in something that you're really passionate about and that you find interest in, because I think you'll be more likely to follow through on the project and on the topic if it's something that really interests you. So first and foremost, make sure it's something that you're interested in. And then the next thing is, you know, think about a question, think about a research question, a hypothesis, and then look around for mentors who may be studying that, whether it be in your own department or outside departments, think people in our field are really open to, uh, you know, learn, hearing from learners and residents that might be interested in collaboration or see where they can get involved in a project, or if there's something that the resident wants to do themselves, then going to, you know, a vice chair of research or someone in the department and say, hey, I want to do this kind of work. Who should I reach out to? So I think it's finding something you're passionate in and then making
0: connections. And speaking of collaboration and connections, that can be a very large component of an academic career. And so you have been involved in national organizations with the American Association of PM&R. And so for those that are interested in being engaged in organizations and starting a career in academic medicine, what recommendations do you have as a resident physician? In our
1: societies, but there's also AAP, which is Association Academic Physiatrists, and they have a subgroup of resident physician physicians that are also highly engaged in that organization. The other thing is to, you know, start to engage a lot with the attendings that you may have and with other people around the country. And just again, it goes back to having a passion, whether that be a passion for and you think about the different pillars of academia. So we want someone that's going to be passionate about education and teaching, someone that's going to be passionate about not just their clinical work, though that's very important, and as well as developing programs, clinical programs, also administrative and leadership. If this is something that, you know, aligns with your goals for your career, then that's important, and then research. And the other thing is you don't have to be strong in all of those areas, but as long as you show strength and really a passion for one of those areas, then first, I like, I know that academia is for you and then go out and try to make connections in the field and and start looking for jobs there and we're always looking for good academic physiatrists always.
0: <laughs> well it always amazes me in residency how soon the jobs that come through you get so many emails of people wondering when you can begin when you're only a first year resident yes So residency is also an optimal time to be able to meet leaders in the field that are a part of your program. So what are some ways to obtain formal mentorship during residency? So there are, like you talk about, formal mentorship
1: opportunities, and that might be set up in your own program. So in our own program, we have, you know, a list of all of our attendings, which are many, and then what they can provide mentorship in, and the resident are able to choose who they want to have be their formal faculty mentor. Some programs may not be as large or have that many formal opportunities, but it's okay because sometimes the informal ones are just as good, if not even better. The other thing is that mentors don't always have to just be attendings. They can be people who hold leadership positions in the hospital. They can be other fellows. They can be other residents who are upper levels. So again, it goes, you know, just starting to meet people, whether that be meeting people on social media, at conferences, through, you know, connections, through people that you know, and with different attendings. Maybe you have an attending that may have a connection to someone that you have an interest in, and they might help you reach out to that person and start working on a project. The other thing is there are are national organizations have formal mentorship programs as well, where they set no residents and even junior faculty up with more senior mentors for them. So look for opportunities for formal mentorship and then the informal mentorship. And that's one thing about this field is people are really, open to having mentees or at least, you know, providing a meeting or some advice or so that's one strong thing about this field is everyone's really nice.
0: Yes, that is definitely something that I have easily picked up on even through social media. And one cool thing to even learn more about the field, not even in a formal or informal mentorship sense, but is through your Twitter account, which is MV MD. And, you know, the field of PM&R or the field of medicine is truly changing. And whether that was through the COVID-19 pandemic, where you developed a post-COVID recovery clinic to aid the rehabilitative recovery of patients that were infected with COVID, there is so much that has changed just even in the past year, but how do you see the field of PM&R changing over the next 10 years for residents that are in the field itself? So one thing for residents that currently
1: are in the field, there's certain trends that we're seeing, and that's that a lot of residents are doing doing fellowships. So they're doing more subspecialty training, whether like I talked about before, spine pain, pediatric rehabilitation, spinal cord injury, brain injury medicine being the best one, though I'm probably biased towards that one. <laughs> and I think so that may change that there may be less general physiatrists and more kind of physiatrists who are subspecialized in these different things, which is fine and wonderful. The other thing is that we need to, as a field, learn to show how our field fits in with other specialties. So if someone in PM&R is going into sports medicine, we really need to start changing the mentality of you know, the regular people who want to go see a sports medicine physician and don't automatically go to orthopedics, but hey, we could go to a physiatrist who is a sports medicine physician. And then the other way I see the field of PM&R changing is there's a couple of things which is, you know, we start thinking more about quality and about um, the way, you know, care is going towards value-based and so so we have to show our value across the continuum, meaning, you know, should we be doing things earlier on to prevent injuries instead of treating people after their injuries? So a lot of times, for example, cancer rehab, which is a wonderful field within our specialty, they are working on prehabilitation. So that way, patients who go through cancer treatment are actually stronger and able to withstand it and therefore have better outcomes. And so I think we need to start looking at the before and the preventive, right? rather than the just fixing
0: the after. Well, preventive is something that we can all focus on in every single specialty of medicine. And those are such amazing ways to think about how the field is going to change over time for those that are currently residents. You have provided us so much insight on how to thrive in PM&R. And I'm wondering if there's anything else you would like to add about being a successful PM&R resident.
1: Just have a support system because residency can be hard and tough and everyone knows that you know it starts in medical school and burnout's a really true big thing and it starts at the res- you know all levels and especially in residency where there's changes where there's transitions where there's stressors um, and so just the importance of having a support network and that will help you thrive as a resident
0: Well, it all starts from the top in a position like yours as chair. And it sounds like you are doing an awesome job making sure that residents feel comfortable in their learning environment. So to learn more about you, we like to end our podcast with you sharing a fun fact about yourself totally unrelated to PM&R. So Dr. Verduzco Gutierrez, can you share a fun fact about you? So the other
1: passion that I have is running, and I've run the Boston Marathon a couple times, to- two times, and I've also, um, have an all-American time in the mile as a master's athlete, and then I guess another random fun fact is, you know how people can do tacos with their tongue, like the little circle. I can yeah. do, I can do two of them.
0: Wow. Well, those are really cool things. And the <laughs> other thing I've learned about you is that we can also find you on the Peloton and tweeting about it as well. Yes. Well, that's all the time we have today with Dr. Rudusco Gutierrez. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn about application tips and hear from another awesome leader in medical education.